So do you have anything witty? Just a 57 ketchup joke. Uh, let's skip that. Okay. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back. This is Scott. And I am Scott, Dorothy on this side, Chanel on that side. Welcome back. Yay. Actually did two two episodes in a row. In two weeks. In two Unbelievable. Weeks. It's a trend. <laughs> For another week, maybe. Yeah, it's not a great trend, but it's a trend. Uh, so, uh, news? News. News. Right into it. No, <laughs> like we knew what we were doing until you said that. All right, news. What do you got? Um, we have the conferences coming up. Yes. Uh, Buenos Aires in February and Tissot in April. April. Yep. And that's all I got. Yeah, that's it. Uh, end of the semester, so grades are being turned in and tallied and and sleepy class still. parties and things to that nature. Sleepy still. And still sleepy. Yes. So. So that's about it. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, nothing major. So uh, get your grades done, all that crap, and we will move on. All right. So. What are we doing today? Ah uh, man, I knew he was going to do it. Too. <laughs> we have a, another guest in today. Uh, we are talking to Danielle Terleco. Tellerico. Tellerico. I was close. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're going to be talking to her about uh, part-time stuff. Exactly. Um, what it takes to become a part-time teacher, why uh, there are, why to become a part-time teacher, and different resp responsibilities you have as a part-timer. Yes. But first, um, let's get into your background. Sure. Well, I'm from Seattle, Washington. And I have a master's degree from the University of Washington in Japanese art history. I studied 17th, 18th, and 19th century Japanese woodblock prints. Wow. Nice. She's smart. And talented. Yes. Got skills. Mad skills. And so you came over to Japan to pursue the art aspect? or Exactly. Yeah. Um, I finished my MA and I decided that I wanted to come to Japan and try to do some follow up some research that I had done as a graduate student. And of course I needed to feed myself and put a roof over my head. So English teaching is what I found <laughs> <a case> <laughs> And, and what were your first um, jobs teaching English? Well, I, I did what a lot of people do. I came over on a tourist visa, and I hit the pavement with my CV mm -hmm. and was able to piecemeal together a bunch of jobs, mostly under the table. I didn't uh -huh. have the appropriate visa, um, so I 
did a few hours a week at a Juku. Uh, it turned out that one woman who had been here a long time was going to visit her parents for about a month. So I took over all of her privates, which nice. was a saving grace. Yeah. So I was able to um, live large for that time. Well, I wasn't living large, but living. I was, <laughs> yeah. put it this way. I wasn't in a cardboard box under the bridge. Yeah. So. Uh, how, how long have you been in Japan? Um, now I've been here six years. Okay, cool. And so uh, from the doing piecemeal odd jobs here and there, and then what after that? Well, my first three months stint was just piecemealing it together. And then I left the country, went back to the U.S., came back in on another tourist visa. And during that time, I came across an ad for part-time university employment. Mm -hmm. So I sent my resume off there. And because I had a master's degree, um, that was enough to get my foot into the door or in the door of a university. Oh, that's so cool. I picked up that job. Mm -hmm. um, and so that came about month two of my second cultural visa. So I just hopped the plane again, went back home, but this time had all the paperwork that I could submit right. to the consulate in Seattle and then came back on an official working visa. Okay, so the um I wouldn't say a temp agency, the 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 company that hired you to teach part-time work, mm -hmm. they sponsor you. Yeah, they sponsored me to work at a university. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do they provide um any other kind of benefits or anything, housing or Uh no, no, there's there's nothing else um Though the one thing that they do provide is kind of a buffer between you and the administration at your university, <laughs> which, uh -huh. uh, that depending can be on handy, the yeah. situation, can can be very very helpful. Yeah. Wow. How long did it take them to turn around your visa? Um, visa application process, moving from a tourist visa into a work visa, is a couple of months. And so mm. I hear because of. Uh, 9-11, yeah, yeah. the fingerprinting, we're yeah. all terrorists. That process is becoming a little bit longer. Oh, really? So two to three months is about what you can Minimum. expect. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, it, it varies depending on what immigration office you're going through. Right, right. Osaka, I think, because they see more foreigners coming through, are a little faster than Kyoto, where mm -hmm. I'm at. Yeah. And from the time that you saw the ad and mm. submitted your resume to them hiring you and uh, starting to process the paperwork for your visa, how long did that take? Well, let's see. Um, I saw the ad, submitted the resume, probably within a week or so, got a call back, or I called them, I can't remember, it's been mm -hmm. a while now. And then I went into their office. Uh, met with the head, had an interview, that went very well. And then I was told that I needed to come to the university and actually sit in front of a panel of people oh, wow. and be interviewed again. Hmm. Um, but that, because I had already kind of jumped through the first screening, that the second screening was more of a formality rather mm -hmm. than a make or break 
It okay. was more that right. if I said something incredibly foolish, <laughs> I'd be on my way out the door. Well, but, good thing uh, he didn't do that. Because, exactly. Oh. <laughs> exactly. So, wow, I, I, I never knew that process. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, um, probably a couple of weeks went by between that initial interview at the company and then the interview at the university. And I think soon after that, the paperwork started started to be rolling yeah rolling. And I think I probably went in for the interview in February, and then I uh -huh. started working in oh, for like April. The first, yeah, in April. Right. So a couple of months, I would say. Mm -hmm. It's not a speedy process. Yeah. But it's not it's not that slow a process either. No, I mean, huh? And once once you know you've you've been told okay you've got the job, then it's just a matter of waiting for the paperwork to come through right. and mm -hmm. you having to leave the country in order to switch from a tourist right. visa to a working visa. That's not something you can do in country. You actually right. have to leave. Did you have to go all the way back to the states, or could you have gone to Korea for a visa? I could have gone to Korea, um, but I. I was a little concerned and perhaps just a, a little paranoid that I was going to get busted uh -huh. um, because I knew I wasn't here as a tourist, you know, right, I was hunting right. for a job. So I always bought my ticket in the United States with the round trip, right. so okay. n no one had any reason to question what I was doing. Right. And then, of course, once I got the work visa, then, you know, I didn't have to buy round trips anymore, so right. that was my... My way of not just paranoid, covering. just careful. Yeah, you know, don't want to send up any red flags. Yeah. Right, right. Um, now, since you've been doing part-time work for universities, have you always yeah. been doing just one campus, or I yeah, because I hear yeah. about a lot of people will do like three classes over here, or yes. you know, four classes over there, or, or whatever you know, kind of catches catch can. Well. Here's here's one of the differences between working for a middleman who has a contract at a mm. university versus being a direct hire uh -huh. and working part-time at a university. And that is is that um, if you work for the right middleman, because right. obviously every situation is going to be different, if they have a good relationship with that university, then that university is going to give that middleman company quite a bit of work, mm -hmm. uh -huh. which means that despite the fact that you're working, you're, you're considered a part-time employee on the books, you're literally working a full a work full week, yeah. hence you only need to be working at one university. Right. Yeah. So you get up every morning, you know, I take the same train to the mm -hmm. same school. <laughs> Don't have to the worry about it. The textbooks are yeah. all the same, whereas a lot of people who are direct hires who work part-time, they're usually only able to get, say, two, two classes at one university, three classes mm -hmm. at another university, maybe pick up a private or maybe right. at a juku or something like that. And they have to, they're constantly having to try to balance um, all of these different jobs. And, you know, yeah. it can be a real cock up if you. So yeah. why do you think those people wouldn't try to get hired by a middleman? Well, more fingers in the financial pie, you mm -hmm. know. The one thing is, is you work for a middleman, it means that guy's got to take his cut. Mm -hmm. You work direct, 
then all the money's coming directly for Can directly I say academic you. pimp? Yes, you can, you, <laughs> you can say academic pimp. Nobody else can. So, so that would be that that would be one of the drawbacks of working mm -hmm. for a middleman. But um, at the same time, then you're also not having to deal with the headaches of trying to make sure you um, are finding the the new jobs or or you know making sure that your schedule is going to work between the two. Exactly. Sides. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And anytime there's a, a change in curriculum, mm -hmm. um, say, for example, a university decides that they're dropping all of their one day a week courses right. and they're switching to a two day a week course and that's going to change your, your whole load, which uh -huh. means trying to accommodate that to whatever is going on at the other universities can right. be problematic. You know, so, I mean, there are definite headaches to doing the direct hire part-time. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, okay, so you've got the middleman, but you get security, too. Right. Because, um, you know, more than likely, unless you really screw up, they're not going to give you the boot. So. Right. Who would give you the boot first, the university or the middleman? Um... Well, I would I would assume that if there was a problem, um, the students would talk to the university. Mm -hmm. The university would then talk to the middleman. Are they allowed to talk directly to you, or do they have to talk to the middleman? Uh, they can they can talk directly to you, but a lot of times things are always funneled through the middleman. Mm -hmm. um, so and and then that means you know that if there's some kind of an issue. You've got someone who's going to go to bat for you in right. a way oh, that that's good. Yeah, yeah. you know you might not be able to do as just a sole direct hire teacher. Mm -hmm. If you have a good company that right. you're working exactly. for, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How often do you go into uh, the the company? The company, yeah. Uh, in the six years I've worked there, I've been there twice. <laughs> Once was the initial interview and another time was actually to take somebody else there so it actually had absolutely nothing to do with me i just oh that's wow was <clears throat> do they send representatives out to the different yeah yeah like the the head of the company that i work for um periodically comes to the university and we're you know he's incredibly available if if there's some kind of problem um is he Japanese or is he foreign? Uh, he's Japanese. However, he spent a lot of time in the United States. He has impeccable English, mm -hmm. and so there's that's cool. No yeah, it's nice communication a... problem uh -huh. at all. I mean, you could yeah. talk to him as though you were talking to any of your Native American except for friends. maybe him. <laughs> so uh, I'll put this in, I'll put this as gently as possible. Um, other part-time teachers that you know, maybe not at your company, but right. at other companies, do you think for the most part they're satisfied with working for middlemen, or do you think most would prefer to go out on their own? Hmm, well... And I mean, that it's it's hard to say because each company's different. I, right, I know that, right. but... Well, if you want to look at it from the financial aspect, obviously um, you, you've got a discrepancy there. And people who have direct hire 
um, status, um, you know, they're 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 just going to be financially better off. Right. Um, and so that's always an issue is that you do have this financial discrepancy. Um, but you know, you've got security as the trade off. <laughs> right. So you know, it, it really all depends on maybe what your long term goals are. You know, if you're just wanting to come, make a bunch of money for a short period of time and then pack up and leave, uh-huh. then, you know, piecemealing it together as a part-time direct hire is probably the way to go. If you're looking for something a little more stable, yeah. then right. going through a company might be a better option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Cool. Do you know, um, are there a lot of cases where people start off on the part-time route and then go? Uh, get a full-time position? You know, yeah. In fact, um, a lot of the people tend to, a lot of the people start with a with a company um, and then start working on, say, a distance learning, TESOL or other uh, applied linguistics MA. Uh-huh. And then upon receiving the MA, start applying for tenured, higher level, um, positions and so they just bypass the direct hire part-time okay and just jump right into mm-hmm. a more mm-hmm. permanent position university sponsored exactly position. yeah so then you know you're getting the full benefits you've got tenure or potential for tenure mm-hmm. and all of that and I think that that's that's what a lot okay. of people have, I've seen a lot of people do mm-hmm. that so mm-hmm. um my senility is getting to me, so I don't remember if we stated, uh, but most, if not all, of the part-time people um, working through a middleman, they do have masters, but just not in ESL. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that if any listeners are interested in going this route, they need to have at least a master's uh, in their educational background. Mm-hmm. So. so did you, when you first started working, did you have, uh, so your your master's is in uh, art history, right? Right. <clears throat> so did you have any experience in the ESL classroom before? I mean, uh, other than the two, first tourist visa, or? Uh, yeah, no, no. Um, you know, when I was doing the piecemeal work before I got the university job, you know, I was teaching all over the place, from private lessons of. Um, you know, scientists mm-hmm. to three and four year olds and having <laughs> supervisors say, the kids like you, but you need to smile more. And you know, that, that's what my evaluations say now. So yeah, it's no different. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was really at that time because there were a couple of opportunities during those formative months mm-hmm. of you know, I could have signed on at some kind of a juku and taught oh, kids. Right. And, you know, I just thought, <laughs> you know. That'll make you old fast. Well, yeah. <laughs> at and least like me. The songs, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. I don't know how many times I can sing that every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so did you end up getting uh, an ESL certificate or did you I go did. back and I did, yeah. Up? Actually, after about a year of teaching, it became really clear to me that despite the fact that I had taught in a university setting, um, had, had taught uh, Japanese art history courses mm. and other art history courses mm-hmm. and actually had a handful of 
students who had come through the University of Washington ESL program and had been streamlined into oh. the regular classes, classes yeah. um, and was you know was giving additional help to them. Um, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing <laughs> uh -huh. as an ESL instructor, and I it didn't like that. Yeah, yeah. So I went and I did the Cambridge Salta. Mm -hmm program for four weeks in Thailand and that was a huge help. I highly recommend that to anyone. What, living in Thailand for? I four recommend weeks. living in Thailand for four weeks. Yeah. Oh no, the, the program, yes, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great because yeah. uh, not not to be the poster child for CELTA, but um, uh, they really gave you a lot of hands-on, oh, cool. very practical tools. In. And it's only a month, but it, it's yeah. pretty intense, isn't it? It is. It is. It's five days a week where you have about mm, two and a half hours worth of lecture or class where you're the student. Mm -hmm. And then you break for lunch, and then in the afternoon you actually teach groups of students. So there's a oh. beginning English class, an intermediate, and an advanced. And um, then following that, you have group crit, where everybody tells you Bashes you on each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and the uh, the Seltzer, Seltzer trainers, they're the ones that really stick it to you. Oh, really? <laughs> so it's, it's good. It's really good, you know, uh -huh. um, because... You know, in this environment, there's so little feedback. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Um, nobody. Nobody actually tells you what's going on. Yeah, and there's not there's not a tremendous amount of communication amongst. Well, probably, in your department more so than mm -hmm. where I'm at. But not as much. A, as a as a part time <laughs> person, you know, you're really under the radar because you're not you're part time, so you're not part of any kind of group effort in creating group curriculum or mm -hmm. group objectives in any any way. So, uh, you know, sometimes you're just handed a textbook and said, you need to teach from Good this. <laughs> wow. And, and so, you know, everybody's reinventing the wheel because there's just not a lot of community. And that's right. one of the disadvantages of being a um, part-timer is that well, most of the, the part-time agencies, um, do they care whether you've had prior teaching experience or not? Or is that really, a, I mean, how much of a factor is that for hiring you? Well, like in my case, what was really being looked at was the fact that I had this master's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, I... Because I had taught some classes um, at university, I'm sure that that helped. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's apples and oranges going yeah. from art history to right. ASL. So, um, Do they have any kind of um, professional development in place? Uh, no, not at the moment. There's, there's nothing. Although, um, I'm kind of hoping that I can facilitate something for oh, the cool. next academic year mm -hmm. so that there is because there's such a, a core of us working all at the same university that there's no reason why 
we can't be a little more um, sharing in our information right, and our right. curriculum since we are this outside group might right, as well right. use that to our advantage rather than um, just continually continuing to do our own little thing. Yeah. Well and, and it's good for any teachers that they might hire to that are coming into the program that might not have that much experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes the, the agency look better to have right. better I mean that goes without saying. So Yeah. But I, a lot of places, um, whether agencies or language institutes that require just a, a master's or a bachelor's to teach, they'll just kind of throw you into the classroom and let you fend lock, for yourself. Lock the door. And exactly. Yeah. You must stay there for an hour and a half. Well, yeah, I mean, I think this points to a little bit, a, a much bigger problem, and that's that. I'm not sure that the Ministry of Education really has a full grasp on what their English educational objectives are. Mm -hmm. And this just permeates all of Japanese society when it comes to English instruction. You know, English instruction shouldn't be about the teacher needs to smile more right. and 20 minutes at the end of the last day of class for photo ops. Right, right. Exactly. Is that every class yeah, or just whole, the last class? No, just the last day of, well, maybe each semester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so remember, see, I'm smiling. I'm going to get the hell out. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so where um, are, are you content to stay in this situation for the rest of your time in Japan, or do you want to go further um, in your career or... Well, yeah. What does the future hold for you? Big question, Scott. <laughs> uh, well, I would say that for me, um, I'm really trying to do more things that are related to Japanese art history. And in fact, in the time that I've been here, I've picked up a few private course, private classes where I'm teaching galleries how to sell Japanese art oh, in wow. English. Sweet. And trying to develop more of that kind of thing mm -hmm. so that I can teach less of general English and do more of what I would Your like. Your specialization. Right. Exactly, yeah. 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 And although that's not exactly what I want to be doing, at least it feels like it's a little more... A step in that direction. Yeah, yeah. on the right path. Uh, yeah, a little, little closer to home. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, let me ask you about your visa. Mm. Is it what? What visa are you on? Sure. Uh, I think. What am I on? I think it is an instructor. Instructor, yeah, the instructor visa. Yeah, okay. visa. Okay. Is that what? What we have, or is that what um, like Nova teachers two. have as well? I don't, didn't want to draw the. Parallel. Well, no, I'm, and I'm not trying, but I mean, yeah. a, is there a, a um, difference between a professor visa and a general, maybe not not Nova, well, but strictly um, speaking, yes. Jet. Yeah, there is. Yeah, Jet Jet comes in on as, as an instructor, um, which allows them to work at a range of educational businesses, um, but we wouldn't be able to work for her company. Because our our 
visas are professor and we're only allowed to work at universities. Yeah. And so like, you know, part-time jobs and stuff, technically we're not allowed to do privates. We're not allowed to do anything. We're, we're allowed to work at any university or just the university that is sponsoring any, us? Any university. Okay. Yeah. Um, but not private lessons, not Juku, not right. McDonald's. Um, whereas you would be able to pick up Juku, extra Juku work and I, stuff like that. Yeah. Although I know that their immigration starting to crack down yeah. on that. And so... You know, for example, as a native English speaker, you know, people approach us to do mm -hmm. all sorts of things, whether it be yeah. voice recording or, in Podcasts my case, or... translation <laughs> work. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, because as art history, oh, you got to right. take Japanese. So Japanese skills are, you know, enough to get into trouble. Right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and who knows how that all is supposed to be mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, officially Well, and the Japanese people don't yeah. know because they never have to deal with it. They're just like, oh, foreigner, you, exactly, oh, and you speak. Yeah, yeah. I need your help. Let me right. give you some money. Yeah. And they're like, I would love to. Do you have anybody in the family who's a cop? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Or works for immigration. Or works for yeah. immigration. Because if you do, no. Yeah. <laughs> or if you do... We're on the, yeah. <laughs> that could work in your favor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a really complicated situation these days. Yeah. I one of the reasons I asked is I just applied for my permanent residency. Uh-huh. And uh I didn't know if you'd had done that or not. You know, I haven't yet, but I was actually going to look mm -hmm. into that and see now a I've only been here paperwork. six years. And I've heard that 10 is kind of the 10 is what minimum. they say. Um, if you look at the website, you can, uh, if you uh, have some very distinct um, contributions to society, mm -mm -mm. Uh, this, the strict minimum is actually five. But the I donate blood every month. 10. Donate blood every month. That's good. <laughs> except, for, except for donating blood. Um, <laughs> I had to throw it out there. He's looking for something. He just yeah. wants attention. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the strict guideline is five. This uh -huh. the strict rule is five, but the guideline is ten. And if you have less than ten, they're like, oh man, I don't know. Uh, we yeah, we're not supposed to do it if it's less uh, than ten. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. say, but look at all this great stuff that I've right. contributed to Japan. Uh -huh. Or at least that was my approach. So, mm. um, and one of the things that they say is working at a university, teaching at a university, right. um, counts towards that. So mm -hmm. we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Okay. And I'll let you know the reef of paperwork. Oh, that I here. can imagine. It, yeah. it took me six months to get it all together. Everybody out there went to sleep. Yes. 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 Right, let's wrap this bad boy up. All right. Um, I don't have any final thoughts, but I have a final question. Sure. You came for your your art, and so how much woodblocking do you do nowadays? Well, actually, I don't make woodblock prints. I do research. Ah, you're just about the history of it. I'm the history part. Kyoto would probably be a great place to, to be settled then. Well, actually, Tokyo, Edo, really? is the oh, yeah, okay. center of woodblock printing. However, there are... Um, there are a couple of interesting collections here. Mm -hmm. um, Richard Lane recently passed away. He was a major 
um, scholar, U.S. scholar in Japanese art or uh, Japanese woodblock prints mm -hmm. in particular. Um, and then also there's quite an interesting, very titillating collection. <laughs> Um, and we'll leave it at that <laughs> over at Ritsumeikon. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, the at their library. Shiga. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, not in Shiga, oh, not the... in Kyoto. In Kyoto? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, very, very interesting thing. One of uh, the guys here, Mulligan, uh -huh. is now over at that campus. Oh, uh-huh. So. All right. Well, thank you for thank coming in. Thank you very in. much for coming we in. We told you it wasn't uh, that painful. No, no. Uh -uh. Although the it duct tape on my arm <laughs> is getting a little tight. Okay, where'd it go? Not that one. That one. All right. We got music playing yes, now? we got music playing now. All right. So, uh, we haven't given our email out in a long time. I am scott at education.com. Dorg. <laughs> Dorg. Dorg. And I am Scott Duarte, S-C... O-T-T-D-U-A-R-T-E, all one word, all lowercase, at edgy, that's with a G, education.org. That's right, E-D-G-Y-C-A-T-I-O-N dot O-R-G. Come and visit, sign up, leave questions in the forums. Uh, leave a voice recording on the... My Chingo button. My Chingo button on the website. Pay no attention to the job survey button, because that's over and done. So, All right. Uh, if you have a question for Danielle, please email to us, and we will pass it along and get an answer as best we can. All right. So we are out of here. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Take care.